Today, we are beginning a new sermon series called Family Vibe, exploring what it looks like to be a church family following Jesus together. Pastor Brett kicks it off with the question, what's your vibe? My name's Nathan, and this is the Saints Church Podcast. Here we go. Saints Church, we love you. Pastor Brett here, and it's a privilege to be in your home in this way and to be on this journey as we follow Jesus one step at a time. This summer, we're moving into a brand new theme. That's right, it's called Family Vibes. This summer is all about community, connection, relationship, and building um, on that idea. Jesus says that, that the world, those who are far from God, will know us by our love for one another. And oftentimes, we feel like that's a little counterintuitive you're like, if we're going to be reaching out, shouldn't people know us by our love for them? Well, what we're going to discover in the scripture is that there's a reason why Jesus leads with the love for one another. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to go to a few places. I want you to open up your Bible to Acts chapter two. And I'm just going to encourage you, uh, if, if you're at home and if, if you're processing this and you're watching this uh, at home, grab a physical Bible. It's going to be important that you're going to underline some things. I want you to grab a notebook. You can use your phone if you want, but there's something uh, really tactile about using something really uh, in your hands and, and making note of it and recording things. It's really important that when God turns the lights on in a moment, when he speaks to you, just write down a date and a time and, and when he really impacted you. And we use these as road markers to go back and say, oh yeah, this is when I was learning this and this is that season and this is what God did through that season. So put, uh, put a marker in Acts chapter 2, put a marker in Romans 12, and put a marker in Psalm 133, and we're going to do our best to get there and dig right in. This is family vibes. Okay, here we go. Acts 2, 42. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including but not limited to the Lord's Supper and to prayer. If you know, in this season, as we're reopening and relaunching it and just taking a huge step forward, we have an opportunity to reframe our lives. And as we reframe our lives, I want to encourage us to not reframe our lives on an ideology or, or a set of thoughts and ideas. I wonder what might happen if we reframe our lives based on scripture. And so when I'm trying to go, what does that even look like? And really, as we're trying to understand, what does this look like for us? as a church and of course a church in the broadest sense because there's so many of you that are watching from literally around the world and across Canada and you're like what does it mean for me to be a member of this community to to be a part of this well we're going to reverse engineer some things we're going to go back to the origin stories to the very root material this is the beginning of the ecclesia now the ecclesia is is the original language the word for church it means called out ones it means ones who left their home and went into a public space and the truth is Jesus is calling you because you are the church a building is not the church you are the church he is calling you out from your comfortable place in this season into a public place to spread hope in life and the kind of hope in life that's only found in Jesus now every Every great movement, which is what the church is, it's a movement. Did you notice that Jesus, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is a way. There is a Jesus way. It is the Jesus movement. 
That's what we're a part of. We're a part of following Jesus one step at a time. That there was some key foundational things, four things that they built their hearts, their lives, their families, and their church on. These are the four things. I'm going to read it to you one more time. Acts 2.42. Let's make notes. These are our origin stories. We want to talk about history, the history of the church. This is, these are our roots. Let's get back to that root system. You know, so often we live in this world that focuses uh, on our fruit, right? What's the output? What's, what's the results? But I wonder what might happen if we put some time into the root system. My dad gave me this uh, tree water I don't know if you've ever seen one of those and, and you just hook it up to your hose and you actually push it down beside the tree right into the root system to make sure that it's healthy and it has all the water that it needs and so you don't get all the runoff and it just nourishes the trees. I wonder what might happen if we take uh, our lives and say, hey, we're going to just develop our root system. We're going to have Jesus pour directly into us. And so to do that, let's position ourselves right. Let's position ourselves right. So here we are, Acts 2.42. All the believers were devoted. They were devoted to teaching, the apostles' teaching. So they're devoted to truth. They're devoted to fellowship. They're devoted to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And they're devoted to prayer. Here's what we've done in church. We've said number one and number four are spiritual activities. We said number one and number four are spiritual activities. Apostles teaching, uh, uh, teaching, truth, preaching, spiritual activity. So we've doubled down on that. Let's, let's just be like knowledge, giant basins of knowledge, right? Let's just soak it all in, especially in North America. We said that's a spiritual activity. We said, you know what, prayer, though most of us just pretend to do it, uh, <laughs> we said, hey, that's a, that's a spiritual activity. But we're missing... Numbers two and three, fellowship, which is community, intimacy. That, that, that original language around fellowship speaks of a deep intimacy, a connection. It's more than just, you know, Pentecostal peach juice on a Sunday night. It, it's more than just getting together with a few people. It talks to this depth of relationship. I wonder if you have the kind of depth of relationship in your life with others who are following Jesus that actually brings strength to your roots. And the fourth, or sorry, the third thing was sharing in meals. And I always put this asterisk on it, including but not limited to the Lord's Supper, because what we've done is we've systematized the sacraments. So we said, okay, communion. Uh, so that's what we mean by sharing in meals. Well, th that's one of, one of the things that we mean by sharing in meals, but they actually literally talk about sharing in meals, that there is something spiritual about gathering around a table and being in this fellowship with one another, that this community, and I, I would say number Two is built by number three, that fellowship is built by sharing in meals, by sharing a conversation, grabbing a coffee. There is a spiritual space in a place where Jesus brings hearts together. And I believe in this next season, if we're going to love one another, we need to strengthen those root systems and do it by acknowledging that fellowship and sharing in meals aren't going to do nothing but build and strengthen our family 
vibes. Now, don't take my word for it. Uh, as we look at verses 43 all the way through 47, what you're going to discover is that there was, a, there was a family vibe. There was a feeling. There was a culture. There was an atmosphere. Now, here's what we know. We know that culture eats vision for lunch. It doesn't matter what your plan is. It doesn't matter uh, what your direction is. Dr. Sam Chan, love him, says culture eats your vision for lunch. So if you don't have a healthy culture, whether it's in your home or in your life or in your workplace, you are actually going to derail all the good intentions that you have because you will be superseded by whatever culture exists. I wonder what might happen in the church when our culture of loving one another supersedes our desire to have knowledge. And my thought and my challenge is that when we actually truly begin to love one another that it will actually lead us to love those who are outside of our circles outside of our bubbles, outside of our spheres, because our heart will beat and break like Jesus. But this is the culture that emerged from this root system. This is the fruit. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Did you notice that they met together? They shared things. They took care of of one another's needs. You're like, that's communism. No, it's a Jesus culture. This is a kingdom culture. This is what happens when you love one another and you say, you know what? I have too much of one thing. Like that spare TV that's sitting in your basement that you, you don't know what to do with. You find out your friend's kid needs braces. You put it on Facebook marketplace. It sells in 27 minutes and you take that money and you give it to them. A selfish heart would say, you know what? I'm going to need that for something else. A generous heart says, you know what? The world of the generous gets larger and larger. That's Proverbs eleven twenty four. When I take care of my friend's needs, when I bless them, it's an act of true love and relationship. Do you notice that They shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. There's this word or this language that maybe we can start putting around this, which is radical hospitality. Radical hospitality where you're just over and above. We have some friends that are really, really great at this and and we go to their their house for dinner and it's always a privilege anytime you get invited over. Obviously, the last time we were there is pre-COVID and they invited us and it's just such a privilege to go there. You sit down and there's like a a four-course meal and they've thought about every detail and they've thought about every dietary restriction and this is part of their love language, part of their expression but when you look, when you look, sit down at the table and you see the, the care and the preparation and all the hours that went into it, you actually feel truly loved because they, they care about you enough to care about the smallest details. There's this great joy that comes in taking care of one another and I wonder if we've lost that in this season where our isolation says, I'm going to take care of myself. I wonder what might happen in this next season if we prioritize taking care of one another. You know, each, each and every family 
has a vibe, right? It has a feel. Uh, we, you see this all the time. The best place to see this is like at the, at the I don't know if you have kids, but at the, at the elementary school drop-off line. You, you just see every type of family, every type of person. There's that family that rolls in with like the SUV that's like jacked up and they got all the mudding things and they're like the outdoors family and they spend all their free time at Mech and they just like, they just buy kayaks and there's always something strapped to the top of the vehicle and there's a snorkel coming out. There's like outdoor family. And then there's that family that, that rips in like two minutes, like maybe two minutes late and that's like chaos family. They just roll in and then there's that one family and we're all kind of like, we all kind of wish we were them, but there's no way that we could live a life of sacrifice to be it. There's like that aesthetic family. They walk in and everything's like on point. Every detail is perfect. Every family has a little vibe. I don't, I don't, I don't even know necessarily what, what our vibe is. It, it's kind of like this. It, every person also has a vibe, right? Like there's, I, I love kind of watching those like silly like uh, comedies, you know, I'm thinking like any Adam Sandler movie where they just throw a bunch of his friends in there and everyone gets typecast into this role. And I mean, for me, I'll, I'll just tell you who I am. Uh, I, I, I'm funny, but I'm not fun. Like that's, that's my vibe. Like I, I can be funny at times, but I'm not really a fun guy. Like this is my hobby and uh, we're, we're working on that. But we all have a different vibe. And the truth is the vibe is just another word for a culture. We have a different culture. And so the Apostle Paul now, understanding what this original culture looked like of the early church, he's writing to the Romans and he's trying to give them some direction on how to unpack that, how to continue building that, how to be a place of miracles and generosity. See, I think that that the reason why, the reason why they could love one another is because there was such a sense of awe and wonder as they're looking at Jesus and they understood him to be the great provider, but there was this generosity that swept over them. Why? Because the culture of the kingdom of God is generosity. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. So the worship meetings are on another level. Why? Because there's an awe and wonder. Jesus is working. I think part of the awe and wonder is that people loved one another, that they took care of one another. In Romans 12, uh, uh, Apostle Paul was trying to reframe this and and it's really helpful for us. He says this in Romans 12, verse 14. Come on, buckle up because he's straight, he's direct, and it's kind of like a knife right through the heart. He says, bless those who persecute you. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Don't curse them. Now you go, you know, a persecution, you know, I don't know if that word is, is triggering you right now, but the, I, I just have to be honest with you, the church in Alberta is not persecuted. But he's not even talking about persecution coming from the outside. This conversation is talking about things on the inside. And that word persecute literally means that those who are pursuing you or who are making you flee or who are coming after you, who are harassing you and causing you trouble. Come on. I bet you if you close your eyes right now, you could picture somebody who's, who's causing you some trouble, who's harassing you, who's a fellow believer, who's in the context of your community. That's like, come on, man, just give me a break. Why are you chasing me down? How do we deal with these things? The apostle Paul is explicit in this circumstance. He says, listen, bless those who persecute you. Praise them, celebrate them, encourage them, build them up. Here's the reality. I'm wondering if there's a reason why they're giving you trouble. There's something going on 
behind the scenes in their lives. I wonder if we created a space full of grace. You know, in Acts 2.47, when it says that they enjoyed the goodwill of all, that peop- of all the people, that, that idea of goodwill is actually synonymous with grace. And, and it's an atmosphere, here it is, it's an atmosphere that that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, and grace of speech. Let's start at home. Is your home a place of goodwill and grace that affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, and grace of speech? What's the culture? What's the vibe? I think sometimes people lash out because they're going through things. And so we create a space of goodwill, a space of grace, a space that affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charms, loveliness, and grace of speech. This season is about buckets of grace as people come from all sides of the, the spectrum, all sides of the COVID spectrum, of the political spectrum. We're a church for all people to gather of any background, from any place, from any, whatever it is, anyone and every Everyone can discover hope in life that's found in Jesus. How do we deal with those who are harassing and troubling us within the community, within the family? It says, don't curse them. That word curse is just like literally to utter a threat, to, to utter doom upon their life. Come on, don't speak down to them, speak up to them. We're gonna build them up. We're gonna build them up in the most holy faith. We're gonna say, bless those who persecute you. It's, it's uplifting language and that's in the natural. The first step is in the natural, in your, in your ability, in your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, in your head and in your heart just to say and to bless them in the natural. Then he doubles down and then he says, pray that God will bless them. So don't just speak naturally uplifting things. Now go take it to the Lord. Take the trouble to the Lord. Take that moment to the Lord. Take that conversation to the Lord and bless them to consecrate a thing with solemn prayers, to ask God's blessing on a thing or a person, to pray and to bless God's life, to pronounce a consecrating blessing, to set them apart for God's purpose, to invoke a blessing Because as we begin to pray for those who are persecuting us or harassing us and causing us trouble, the Lord actually turns our hearts and he gives us the capacity to love them with grace. The first mark of a church that looks like Jesus is that it's a space full of grace. The second mark it says, be happy with those who are happy. This is verse 15 of Romans 12. And weep with those who weep. Be people who are fully present. We're fully present. You know, have you ever been to uh, like a networking event or like a mixer event? And, and uh, I mean, the dreaded networking event. And you're talking to somebody and... Clearly, you're not as important as, oh, I don't know, everybody else in the room. And so while they're talking to you, they're just an empty shell of themselves. And what they're doing is actually looking over your shoulder to see who else might be coming. It, it kind of looks and feels like this. It's kind of like, hey, oh, yeah, that's such a great idea. I really love, uh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they just kind of drift off. And you're like, they're kind of looking at you, but they're like mostly looking over you and around you to see what, what's over there. 
You know, my son Kingston is six, and the other day I'm sitting in my big armchair and I'm scrolling. I'm probably looking at TikTok or something. I don't know what I'm even looking at, and and he's like literally standing beside me and he's going, Dad, 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 Dad. I honestly don't know how many times he said Dad because I, I was not aware. I was not present in the moment. I, I wonder what might happen in our homes, in our families, in our relationships, our friendships, and in our church if we could learn to live fully present. Fully present. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. The second mark of a church that looks like Jesus We create space and time to be fully present. We create space and time to be fully present. All right, getting to that moment where it feels counterintuitive, where Jesus in the book of John says, they will know you by your love for one another. The apostle Paul starts to unpack this for us. He says this in verse 16, live in harmony with each other. Other. And of course, my mind races straight over to Psalm 133. It says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in harmony together. And I love the word harmony because harmony, it speaks of music. Some of you may or may not know. I, I was actually a music major in college. And I love the word harmony because in music, it's not just about one note. It's about how the notes play together, how they work together, and they create one sound. And, and so just some some really harmony basics for you. When you're building a chord, it's not one note, it's actually three notes. There's that root. And that's like the solid, it's like holding you down. It's just like that baseline. It's like, yes, that's where we are, just holding it all down. And, and as a person, there's those people in our lives who are just rock solid people, foundational people, and they just like hold it all together. And then there's that, that, that third, and that third, it's, it's, it's major, but it's got this little tendency to slip a little minor or maybe diminished or augmented, and it just kind of changes all the tone and the color. And they're kind of positive and negative and all over the place but we know those people, we love those people. And then there's that fifth and they can do all kinds of things. They can add some other notes, maybe a seventh. They can go suspended. They can do all these different types of things and they add the color into our lives. The truth is here in our relationships, in, in our church family, we need, we need every note and we need to do it together. The apostle Paul, he describes this as a body, as one body, the body of Christ that we're following the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. Jesus himself is the head of the church and he's leading us forward. And the body is responding to his promptings, to his leadings, to his thoughts. But this is what happens when we live in harmony with one another. According to Psalm 133, first we learn that it's wonderful and pleasant. That the atmosphere is wonderful and pleasant. That you walk in and you're like, oh man, this just feels good. But then we go one step further. We hear and we learn and we discover that harmony is precious. And it's as precious as the anointing oil why? It's precious because this kind of harmony, this kind of atmosphere, this kind of love for one another is set apart for the purposes of God, but it's also set apart from culture. The next thing we learn in verse three is that harmony is refreshing. It's refreshing. You walk in, it's like, It's like when you step into the mountains and you take that first breath of mountain air. It's refreshing. Harmony is refreshing. Why? 
because it's drama free. It's drama free. Our churches, our homes, our families, our friend groups, the intent of our relationships is that it would be a refreshing place, not a place of difficulty and struggle and strife and pain, but a place that you could find reprieve from those things, that there's this warmth and welcoming around a table, around a coffee, that we'd be refreshing, that we can, you know, even when you have to have those hard conversations, that there'd be such a spirit of grace that it's like, wow, I thought this was going to be really difficult, but I know that you love me and I know that we love one another. And that's, there's a refreshing aspect when we've got a space full of grace where we're fully present and where we focus on harmony instead of unity or uniformity. Unity, that, that thought leads us towards like, well, we have to all look the same, feel the same, talk the same, be the same, dress the same. No, 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 no. It's harmony where all the different parts work together. The last marker of a church that looks like, feels like Jesus. You ready for this? It says, don't, this is, this is gonna hurt, okay? I'm just gonna warn you. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. I've circled that in my Bible. Ordinary people. And then a secondary thought, don't think you know it all. What do you mean by ordinary people? What do you mean by ordinary people? Well, let me ask you this question. Do you live in a bubble? Do you only live with other Christian people? Do you only talk with other Christian people? Like, is, is your friendship just people that look like you? Is it an echo chamber or is it a diverse place, a place where there's all kinds of perspectives and all kinds of views? Because the truth is, God's kingdom isn't made up of people that, that look and act and function in one way. It's, it's, it's every way. And so there's a place for anyone and everyone to discover hope in life that's found in Jesus. And he, he loves us so much that he doesn't leave us where we are. So we're all in this, this journey of transformation but don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. You know, you, if you say things like, hey, those people over there or those people that go to that bar or they hang out at that place or they go and do those things, if you found yourself saying anyone, any one of those things, you are too proud to be in the company of ordinary people. The truth is, Jesus' reputation as a friend of notorious sinners came out of who he hung out with who he enjoyed the company of. He also famously said in Luke 5 that healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. What does your world look like? Is there room in your life for somebody that doesn't look like you, talk like you, sound like you? And is it possible that you've been placed in their lives to help them discover the same hope in life that you have yourself. Come on, last thought of a church that looks like, acts like, feels like Jesus. In that last phrase, he says, don't think that you know it all. In the King James Version, it says, don't be condescending. <laughs> don't get carried away or led astray. Same breakdown of the language. Don't get carried away or led astray. 
In the book of James, it says, don't be tossed to and fro by the waves or the waves and the winds of doctrines and ideas. Don't be tossed to and fro. Build your life on a solid and a firm foundation that is Jesus. Don't think that you know it all. Don't get carried away in your own ideology or into the most ideology of the most present day. Lean into these timeless truths for everyday life. Let's understand the world through this lens. This is the lens that has been changing the world since Jesus came, died, and was resurrected. This is the lens that's been changing the world since the moment the Lord spoke it into existence. This is the lens that he is calling us to. I'm going to double down on the words of Jesus, and I'm not going to think that I know it all. I'm going to think that I know the one who knows it all, who spoke it all, who created it all, that everything was created created in through in him through him by him and for him come on don't think you know it all don't get carried away or led astray in verse three he hits us over the head one more time he says don't think you're better than you really are and be honest in your evaluation of yourself a mark of a community and a follower of Jesus that looks and acts like Jesus is a self-awareness, a level of self-awareness that goes, I'm in need of a savior. Jesus is transforming me. I've got some weaknesses, but he's making me stronger every day. And through him, he will bring to completion that which he has started and initiated within me. Come on, I know that as we lean into these family vibes, that Jesus wants to transform our lives and our families, our home and our church. It's about relationships, it's about connections, it's about going deeper and loving one another well to create a safe and refreshing place for anyone and everyone to discover the hope and life that's found in Jesus. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to the Saints Church Podcast. We just finished a sermon series called Brick by Brick, and we have the whole collection of sermons right here on the podcast. So if you haven't already, be sure to check those out. My name's Nathan, and I will see you next week for more Family Fun.